Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. Paul is, and let me, let me preface this, Paul is giving greetings. He's writing this new letter, and it just sort of picks up. Uh, he's heard that these folks have been converted. They're living it. They're, they're having faith in, 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 in God, and he says this, For this reason, also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. How about that? Worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Is that so far we've walked through uh, attending church. Uh, we've walked through uh, what home looks like. We did that in one sermon. And then last week we talked about the pivotal time of conversion. Uh, I want to say at the outset today that don't get caught up that you can live the Christian life well enough to be a Christian. <laughs> you say, well, that sounds like a contradiction. You've got to have a starting point somewhere. You've you got to be able to, if you're going to live the Christian life, then you've got to have a starting point, which I call that pivotal time last week of conversion. And we're excited about next week. I had a couple of people talk to me after the service this morning, the first service, and got several going to be baptized next week. And, and what is baptism? Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. It's an outward sign that I have been converted. That's what baptism is. It's pivotal. The rest of the rungs of the ladder only work. They're only effective if we've been converted. And I do think that's missed today. I think somehow we've, 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 we've operated, and, and, and I take responsibility for that, and hopefully we're helping with this as, as we go. So today, we, we think about that, and, and we're getting to Christ, and then where do we go from there? Uh, I want us to start it's, it's a little tab there in the, in the bulletin today, and, and we went to a seminar this past week, really going to emphasize Easter this year, and uh, asked you to fill up the chairs around you and have entire families here, have unchurched people, maybe think about people that aren't attending church anymore. But uh, more of that will be coming in the weeks. But, but uh, just let you know, it's amazing how fast it gets here. But, but Easter will be here April the 9th. April the 9th. That seems so far away, but it's going to be here before we know it. So just be aware of that. Easter's coming. You'll hear more about that in the coming days. Today I want to highlight these two words, the now what. I know Christ, preacher. All right? I would say with confidence that I've been converted. Now what? Uh, and I do think this is something that's of, of vital importance. You're going to see it's very personal to my own individual story in just a minute. Uh, these words came to mind as I was developing this. It, 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 the, the word strike while the iron's hot. I thought I knew and I was accurate in that. I always wonder where these sayings come from. I've always been a person of sayings. Y'all know that. And, and uh, where in the world? I thought I knew and it was, it was accurate in that. But sometimes we need to realize when someone's converted, you need to strike while the iron's hot. And what I mean by that is if we don't, I think we get off into the weeds. We can get off trail and, and track, and, and maybe it doesn't work right. The sadness of it is, and I've run into people who have said this, is that, oh, I tried that salvation thing, preacher. long time ago, I accepted the Lord, and it really didn't do anything for me. And without even saying much and realizing it, something ha happens within us. We realize that if we don't follow through after conversion, then it's not as much is going to happen. And yet we've got to be intentional with it and not accidental, and that's what we're about today. These two words, now what? Hmm. It speaks volumes, but I want to share some things with you. 
the striking while the iron's hot. I thought about a, a blacksmith. I, I looked up some pictures just to reminisce. And, and uh, now where we live, we actually have some neighbors, and they're actually kin to us through, through Abby Kate's marriage. And I, got to, I get to see people from, from time to time shoe a horse. You don't see this much anymore in, in this part of the world because they don't heat up horseshoes anymore. I understand they come pliable enough, and the metal's not as hard as it used to be. Of course, the shoe, horseshoes don't last as long either. So they don't heat them up as much. They just bend them uh, with, with, with the different tools. But here's a blacksmith, and, and the whole idea is with strike while the iron's hot is they heated up the horseshoe, and while the horseshoe is hot, it's pliable, and therefore you form that horseshoe to fit the hoof of the horse. And most of you probably already knew that. But the parallel I want to make with you quickly today is I believe what happens in the church is we, we talk so much about salvation, salvation, salvation. When somebody accepts the Lord, now what? And I think many people struggle in their Christian life because the church didn't come alongside them. The church didn't have a ladder, and I'm talking about Jay. The church didn't have a, a plan. They weren't intentional. We, we almost think that God's so powerful that accidentally people will end up there. And most of the time, some of the time, it, it's a miracle if people grow in the Lord because they basically have to go find it for themselves. It's really unique. I'll show you a verse that's, that's a, a wild one. It's in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, leave, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. Wow. And it comes on. It says, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. And then it goes on. You notice there's a comma there, and it keeps on going. There's several verses. And, boy, they're just wild. It's a wild verse. <laughs> and verses there beginning in, in, in chapter 6 of Hebrews. And what it shows me and reminds me is that we can't be satisfied with just being in elementary school with God. We can't be satisfied with just being in the daycare with God. There's something got to kick in with us and children of God, not just the pastor and the staff or a few people who lead, but every one of us, even the younger ones. There's got to be something that happens that says, I want more. And you know, I believe God's just waiting to give us more. But a lot of times what our faith comes down to, we just want enough of God to go to heaven. <laughs> But, you know, I don't want to stand in front of God and God show me what we could have been and what we should have been. I want to be that. And if you're not into his entirety, I sure want to be striving for that, and I hope you do too. God expects us to push away from some things. Don't get satisfied in the elementary, but go on into maturity. Rick Warren, you might remember that name. He, he authored the book Purpose Driven Life. Many of you probably read it or seen it. Uh, he was the pastor of, of Saddleback Church, close to 30,000 members now, way up in the 20-something thousand. But he's not. He's pastor emeritus there now, but... But he said this, he said, there's no growth without change, no change without fear or loss, and no loss without pain. And I just want to tell you, and it sounds, this doesn't sound like a warm, fuzzy feeling like conversion. Let me tell you, salvation, the reason it was easy for you and easy for me if you've accepted the Lord, because it was hard on Jesus. That was my cross, those were my nails, that was my crown of thorns, that was my death that he paid the price. I was the one supposed to die for my sins, but he took my place. I just accepted his offer. Now, after salvation, as we begin to unpackage this thing, this is where some of the weight comes from. We need to understand now what, and I've done that today with some words. Let me give you some words. All right. When I think about now what, I want to give you four different expressions. And the first one comes to mind. When I think about now what, we first got to realize that we have a fresh start. It's a verse that I talk about often. It comes up in most sermons in some kind of reference. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the King James, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Isn't that a great news? Isn't that great news? I don't know who the worst lost person is and who the person watching the, 
Facebook. I just want to remind you today that if you don't know Christ, maybe the enemy sold you a bill of goods that you're too, you're too bad to be saved, you're too bad to be redeemed. I just want you to know that God redeems whoever asks him. Therefore, if, we're, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. No matter how much junk there is, God can make us new. That's a great reminder. Hmm. Therefore, the old has passed away, <laughs> and behold, how much has become new? Oh, all of it. It's a new day. You know, and, and, and I share this, and we'll keep just, just briefly. You know, Suzanne and I do not have a green thumb. Uh, I can't tell you how many plants have met their maker because we bought them. Uh, we, we, have a fr- we, we often have a front porch. Most houses do of some sort. And for, for years, we had a front porch that we never went up on. But a couple of times of the year, Suzanne would come up with a great idea that we needed to buy ferns. I can remember it. And I think, I might as well take the money for those ferns and just throw it away. Because I know what we're going to do. We're not going to water them. We're not going to talk to them. Some of you folks are offended right now because you talk to plants all the time. But I do tell you, people that talk to plants like talking to plants because they don't talk back. But anyway, so, but so we don't water them and they die. And so a few months later, weeks later, we throw them away because they're, they're hideous in the front porch. We don't, we don't have that. But you know what? I never said to Suzanne, I saw the ferns and they're dead again. And I go up to her and said, honey, the ferns passed away. We don't say that. The only place that we say the words passed away is when a human being leaves this world. And the analogy I want to share with you is this, is that here's where it comes from. I believe with everything about me, the way God views us when we accept Christ is our old life has passed away. Get a vault, get a casket, dig a hole, bury it because it's gone. And if it's not gone, it's not God's fault. We kept living in it instead of living in the new life that God gives us. I believe everything about me. Is that this new life God has for us, he wants us to walk in every bit of it. Hmm. It's a fresh start. We need to hear that, don't we? I love fresh. I love fresh food. I've been eating leftovers lately. I like them. But there's just something about fresh food, isn't there? I mean, you can tell. You go somewhere and you can tell they just got it right out of the ground or they, they just killed it or they just caught it out of the, out of the water and, and cooked it. I love fresh food. <laughs> I also love fresh sheets. There's something about every now and then when you tell, well, we might need to, you know. I, I love Clorox. I've ruined white clothes before because I put too much Clorox in there. There's something about that clean, fresh smell of Clorox. And you can't overdo it, by the way, because I've done it before. We have, I think we've thrown them all away. We used to have white towels that had holes in them because I put too much Clorox in there with them. I also love fresh air. Just a few days ago, it was cold as rip. But I remember I got dressed just to go outside just because it was such cold, brisk, fresh air. And it was so stale and stagnant in the house and what we've been going through with the wet, fresh I want to say before we move on, God's all about a fresh start, folks. I don't know where you've been in your life, but I want to remind you that God's about the fresh start. He can change it. He can make you a new creature on the inside. He can make your life new. Doesn't mean we won't have issues, but he can give you a whole new meaning for it. Second word that comes to mind is free will. That's a big word. Free will means God put us at, he, he sets the table for, for us, but you don't have to sit at the table if you don't want to. He stands at the door and knocks, but you don't have to hear, you don't have to, upon hearing his voice, you don't have to open the door and be, be saved. And folks, even after salvation, God, you can go as far with God as you want to go. You can have a thimble full of God or you can have a bucket full of him, all right? You can go as far as you want to go with God because God's a God of free will. It's not love if you don't choose to do it. People think today, well, well God's the puppeteer and he, where he's just orchestrating us doing, that's not love at all, see? If and might, and those kind of words that are used in the Word of God remind us that it's our choice. It is free will. God expects us to grow. 
The expectation there is, is once we're converted, God expects us to grow. He does. But yet we have the opportunity. I'll show you a verse. I don't know if it's coincidental or not, but it's John 6, 66. I don't know. 666 right here. You say, that's a, that's a pretty tough verse. Here it is. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Well, Brother Jay, how in the world could that be? People that were following the Lord saw him. They rubbed elbows with him. They saw the miracles. How in the world could they go back? Because they had free will. And see, we struggle with this stuff now. There are people's theology and doctrine that's been so messed up that we have cast aside free will. Today, I can live for God if I want to. Listen to me very carefully. I can also bring reproach to the name of Christ if I want to. God allows us to have that free will. But listen to me. There's a price we pay if we don't do it God's way. Hmm. We just need to understand that. I wrote it down this way. Jesus has called us to continue after conversion. He didn't just call us to be converted. Now he calls us on after conversion. There are seven more rungs of the ladder that will typify our discipleship in the Lord. All right? But free will. Third word that comes to mind today is the word fruit. I got really carried away the first service. I'll try to stay on my chair and maintain myself today for this service, especially since we're out to the worldwide place of Facebook. But God's called us to bear fruit. I remember, it was before I was in the ministry, I can remember it was a lot of talk. You might remember this in church, been around for decades and decades. Remember when people had a real hard time with fruit inspectors? People talked about you shouldn't be judging people about their fruit. That's judging. That's exactly right. Let me tell you something. I judge every apple tree I see by the apples it has. We have so abused the word judging in, the, in, in our vernacular and as Christians and as the world. If you want to get a lost person riled up, they're going to talk about judging. They're going to talk about fruit. God is called us to bear fruit. Genesis chapter 8, verse 32, 22. I got a couple of verses for you. Look at this. As long as the earth endures, endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. I told you the whole thing, the reason we sit here today, everything we're about, it's a Genesis issue. You know that? Where in the world? Where did, uh, where did springtime come from? God made it. Where'd wintertime come from? God made it. Where did we have it a hot day and a cold day? And man, we, it's going to be in the 80s this week. Do you know that? Let me be a prophet. You ready? It'll probably be 30s the week after that. And the next time you get worked up about the weather, just remember that God's not worked up by it. And somehow we've become so bright that we think we're in control. I know a lot of people that need to get on a commercial airline and get up about 30-something thousand square feet and look down at the ground and realize how big the world is, and we're not able to handle that. Okay? Two men were walking down the night, and they looked up at the stars, and they said, man, the stars are pretty tonight. And the other said, they sure are. He said, you know why? And the guy said, why? He said, because man hadn't got his hands on them yet. God expects us to bear fruit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Watch this one. And God blessed them, and he said to them, talking about Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. I love it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Listen, the next time I go hunting, if whatever I'm hunting has a gun and hunts back, I'm not going anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty confident deer, uh, turkey season's coming. If I see a big gobbler come over the hill and he's got a 12-gauge, he wins. But I'm confident he's not. You know why? Because God didn't give him dominion, but gave you and me dominion. Now, I believe you ought to respect it. I ought to believe you ought to eat what you kill. I believe you ought to be nice to the, the creation that God gave us and respectful of it. But, folks, we're not in control. God is. 
That's the reason we have words like stewardship. One, one day we're going to give account to Almighty God for the life that he gave us and the resources and the assets and all those things because he's God and like him there's none other. But God's called us to bear fruit. He called us as human beings to bear fruit, to come together in procreation and bear fruit. He expects that also in our spiritual life. Hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Talked about a family that I've come to know. They come to our first service and they're big. They have an unbelievable garden. And I, have, I get to glean from it. You know what I'm talking about? They bring me some of the, some of the product from it. And, and it blesses my heart. And I've seen folks, again, you don't have to worry about that. Suzanne and I need your help because we can't grow anything. And if you give it to us grown, we'll either eat it or kill it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But I'll tell you something. It's neat. It's crazy. Listen, let me tell you something crazy. It'd be crazy to plow a field and plow a garden, row it all up, plant something. Hey, what you going to have? We're not going to have anything. Nothing's going to make. What? You mean you're having a garden and you're not going to have any fruit from it and no vegetables and nothing? No, no, we're just doing all this. Just be doing it. And people say, well, that's crazy. But let me tell you something, folks. It's also crazy to name the name of Christ and not have any fruit in your life for other people to see. Did he say it? I said it. And see, so many times we wonder what's going on in the world. I can tell you what's going on. The child of God, we've negated the responsibility of having fruit in our life we think everybody else will do it, including the preacher, and we don't need to realize your lost neighbor and your lost family member and your lost co-worker, they need to see the fruit in your life. Man, he's out there, isn't he? It's good stuff. It's true. God's called us to bear fruit. It'd be crazy to have a, a garden with no fruit. I'll give you one more. If you go to the store today, you know what they call it? They call it the produce section. God expects us to produce fruit. Hmm? I mispronounced it on purpose. All right. Don't text me. <laughs> All right. Let me show you what I wrote down. A growing season should produce fruit. Hmm. Can't we just hang out right there and get quiet for a few minutes? Listen to me. If you know Christ, listen to me. I want to tell you that you're going to heaven. But don't you want to affect somebody else before you get there? Don't we give enough credit to the enemy when we act like the world? Don't show people Christ in our life and then have some kind of closet relationship with the Lord. God's called us to bear fruit. Huh? We walk through the garden. You know what kind of fruit it is. Hmm. You know what kind of produce it is by the fruit that comes from it. It's good stuff. It really is. John 15, 16, one of these verses. He said, you did not chose me, choose me, but I chose you. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Long before you sat in that chair today, God's already orchestrated so many things in your life. He chose you long before you chose him. Hmm. If I did the math, I'd say 2,000 years at least. He chose me a long time before I chose him. Hmm. Well, I, God ought to be proud I chose him. No, 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 no. Long before you're proud of that, God is proud that he chose you. You didn't choose him. He, choose, he chose you. But listen to this. He said that. And not only that, but I've appointed you to go and bring forth, produce fruit. And your fruit should do what? Remain. Not just a seasonal thing. It's not just once a year like we have produce or fruit. We're supposed to have fruit every day. Huh? 
I hope you get this. I can sense the Lord. I don't say that much in sermon. I can sense the Holy Spirit all over me. Stay right here. Stay right here. Because we need to get this. People, we talk so much about conversion. This is what Paul called conversion. He said you're like babies, carnal, carnal babies. Babes in Christ with carnality. That's what Paul called conversion. <laughs> you know what that says to me? Somebody converted is not going to show Christ much. Hmm. I had a guy took that up with me. With I don't like that carnal Christian stuff. I said, well, you need to rip out a page out of the Scripture. Because the Scripture says a new convert is going to have carnality, meaning they're going to have sin in their life. We're not going to show Jesus much to people when we're converted. Now, they might see the spring in our step and the song in our lips and see us jumping up and down and doing all that crazy stuff, but they're not going to see much of Christ in our life. Let me tell you, when you get Christ in your life, what happens when you, when you start showing fruit is when people see Christ in your life. And you know what it takes? It takes a growing season to do that. <laughs> you know, it takes a while and you stick with it. Yeah, you strike while the iron's hot, but we got to see it through and bear fruit. All right? I'll share the rest of it. So that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he will give it. We need to get this too. I share this. You know what happens? A lot of times people think that it's just a, if I ask Daddy for anything, he's going to give it to me because he loves me. No, he's not going to give you a sports car with two doors if you've got three kids. You know what God says to that? If I gave you that, you're going to end up with back surgery, putting them car seats in, that one, in the seat in the back with two doors. So this frivolent thing of asking God for crazy stuff because he said he'd give it to us. You may tell you what he gives you. He gives you when you line up in maturity with him and you got fruit in your life, you're only going to ask God for what you need anyway. You know what you're going to start asking God for when you got fruit in your life? For people to come along and see the fruit of Jesus Christ in your life. You're going to start asking for the right things and you're going to have a heart toward God. That's the reason God gives you the desires of your heart because your heart is mature and in tune with him. Pretty good teaching there. Fruit. I got to move on. Oh, I'm way past my time. I'm sorry. I'll just tell you that doesn't mean much when I say it, but I'll say it anyway. The last word I want to share with you today is the word frustration. It's really when I think about eight essentials, when I think about after conversion, I think for me, 35, maybe 36 years of ministry now, the word frustration comes to mind. How to help someone grow. As Paul was frustrated, sometimes it's sad when you see the opportunity, you see the potential somebody has, and yet they choose not to grow. I remember when we wrote the book, Eight Essentials to Excel in Christ. I remember one person in particular said, Preacher, I ain't got time for that. And today, he still didn't have time for that, and today he's never really grown. I can also tell you about the first person that I ever took through that. Not the first, but the first person that I walked strategically through it with him. Today is on, still on fire for God almost 20 years later, <laughs> at least 20 years later, and has won who knows how many people to the Lord. It works. There's something about God's Word that never returns void. But many times what happens is while the iron is hot and we're celebrating conversion, we don't do anything with it, and so after a while we just sort of burn out and we don't do anything, and then we don't grow like we need to, and that's what occurs. But it's frustration. Hmm. Listen, I, I've been so frustrated. I remember early in ministry, and I had to tell this so quickly, but I remember I went and looked for some discipleship material. I went to the Bible bookstore, and this was before the Internet. It was before cell phones. And, and so I'm going, I'm trying to find something, something like this I can put in somebody's hands that had been converted. We'd seen several people come to know the Lord, and very frustrated how to help them grow. And, and so... Some of the stuff, I picked up one, and it was, how saved are you? And I remember thinking, man, the whole thing was about don't worry and all these things happening in salvation, and yet it wasn't giving them any tools to help them. And, and then another one was, it was about baptism. Got to be baptized, you're not saved. And I met preachers that, that believe unless you're baptized, you're not saved. And, and if that's some of the persuasion you are, that's, that's okay. But, but it's amazing how we come up with these different things. I, I found another discipleship material one time. It was about the gifts of the Spirit. 
And I thought, man, we're going to take a new convert, a babe in Christ, and we're going to indoctrinate them in the gifts of the Spirit. That sounds like somebody that's going to be confused. I can, as a senior pastor, still be confused sometimes when I study spiritual gifts and have done it for years. It's a very difficult subject. We're going to get into that in a, a few weeks. But the whole thing I want to tell you is this. So many times we want to have our little angle. The angle is this. If you know Christ, God wants you to grow. We're not going to over, over, you know, we're not going to overwhelm you, but you need to grow. There might be some here said, Brother Jay, I never have. When you look at it, and I, and I can help you with that when, when we get into this in just a moment. But talking about your time with God or your prayer time or, or, or giving structure in your life, those types of things. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time and, and, and of the essence to the Lord. And on and on we go. He said, well, really, I never have. And I hope, just like baptism, we've had several when we talked about that, come and said, I want to be baptized, and I want to nail it down, and I want to know in the same capacity if you've been saved and you have been baptized, do you, are you walking in all that light? Are you growing? That's the issue. God's called us to bear fruit. Not just the staff, not just an older person, not just someone else. He's called you and he's called me to grow and to bear fruit. Frustrating, can you tell? <laughs> it's also frustrating to a person. One of the saddest scenarios I know is when people think, oh, this is all it is, and they've never grown. So they, they think this is what the Christian life is. And that's so sad. God has more for that, more of that for us than that, for us, I should say. Jesus got frustrated with the disciples. Did you know that? He said, gosh, you got to get it because I'm not going to be here much longer. Frustrated. Paul got frustrated. I've already alluded to it. He said, y'all are like babies. It's time to grow up. Hmm. I want to know when we go. I believe, and I'll say this to move on, I believe there is frustration when one doesn't know what to do or doesn't grow in Christ. And I've already alluded to it, but probably the saddest scenario that I know of of that is when that life becomes normal. People think living a life that brings more glory to the enemy in the way that we live because of carnality and sin in our life instead of growing off to be the person that God's called us to be. That's sad to me. Anybody, are you understanding where I'm going with this? So with that, I, I want to share with you how this came. I've already told you I went to the bookstore and all this happened. And I asked the Lord, I said, would you just show me? I, I don't think um, some, some preachers have cut up with me. I don't write books. I write booklets. <laughs> all right? But that's how Eight Essentials to Excel in Christ came about. It came about just in a simple, concise way to show people what's happened to them in Christ. And then what's expected of them. Next steps. Right off the press. Strike while the iron's hot. What's expected of me as a child of God. When I research, and we talk about this to others, preachers now, pastors say, when you get all this stuff set up, come see me. Because it's a frustration of many pastors. Many. Is that we have all these programs. We have all this stuff we want you to do. But when it comes to our own individual health and growing and growth in Christ, a lot of times we're just left to wonder about that. God help us. Here's what I want you to know. I'm going to show you the eight ones quickly. And they're going to have them up there for you. The first one's about assurance so that you know what happened in Christ. The second one is about affirmation. That's where baptism and things come in. So after affirmation, we talk about three things that are action. The Word of God in your life. I think it ought to be a part of our life every day. We're going to talk about daily disciplines next week. I think it should be there. You should have a prayer room, a war room if you've seen the movie. You should have a time with God. Pray without ceasing, the Word says. On and on we go, and giving. I think God gives, and I'm just talking about money. I'm talking about all aspects of our life. We ought to be givers, not takers. On and on. 
Then we talked about affiliation. I do believe in selling out. I do believe he wants to be the Lord of your life. I think a lot of people struggle in their Christian life today because they're still holding on to the same things, some of the same things, doing the same things, and they've not yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He brought you to a place like this. The preacher preaches the sermons. People live it in front of you for you to be converted. <laughs> That's what he did.